Morning Liberty. Well, well hello. hello. <laughs> I'm sorry, hello. you go ahead. Uh, Are you going to talk every time you, with you? Yeah. If I talk, then how are you going to talk? <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm so pumped about today's episode. I just cannot wait to get it out of here. Welcome to the Good Morning Liberty <laughs> podcast. I've been waiting to say that, but I'm waiting for you to finish so I can tell everyone... Welcome to the Good Morning Liberty Podcast, the only podcast you really need to listen to for life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning. And you can hit that subscribe button. We tell you this every single show because it's so important. Hit that subscribe button. It's purple if you're on an iPhone. If you don't have an iPhone, we don't know. You know all we have is iPhones. You know what that button does? Uh, you subscribe to the podcast with it? Yeah. Yeah. That's Isn't- what... I mean, doesn't cost you anything. Yeah, pretty, there's no paywall or I, anything like that. I watched a tutorial on it earlier, and it just does it. You know, you just hit it, and it subscribes. Yeah. So I did it myself, actually. But <laughs> I didn't have to do anything else. It just says you are now subscribed. Today we have to talk about this. We have to talk about climate change again, again, and kids, and kids. We got to talk about kids and climate change. I'm I'm slightly annoyed because I'm being forced to talk about climate change by a child and I'm going to have to defend things against someone who, whom, which I should not be having to defend things against. Yeah. So what else is on the docket? Anything else? We could talk a little bit about that market stuff if we have time, but we have a lot of stuff on climate change today. I've pulled tons of data. If we have time, we might get to some things that are happening in the repo market. Yeah. A little bit of the repo market. We can talk about that. That's the overnight, basically, lending market to uh, from investment firms and banks. Yeah. We've seen some... We saw a bad signal over the last couple of days. The Fed injecting a bunch of fake money into the repo market. They say there's nothing to worry about. Nothing. We haven't seen this since 2008, but there's nothing to worry about. (laughs) No problems whatsoever. So anyway, if we have time, we'll get to that. If not, we'll talk about tomorrow, which means you hit that subscribe button and tomorrow's episode will come right to your phone as soon as we release it. (laughs) So... We are in this weird world where people in politics are putting children up to talk about their ideas now. First of all, it's kind of genius. It's very smart. Yeah. And I I did an article today on goodmorningliberty.us if you want to go check that article out. Um, We're in this new world. Well, you see it mainly happening from the left. I was wondering, does anyone on the right? interview children for their opinions I'm not, <laughs> I'm not very sure and that's something i pointed to in the article was that um we're supposed to take the opinions of these children very very seriously although if those children were up there arguing for lower taxes or a freer market or less gun laws or uh, you know uh, just all kinds of maybe more right-leaning issues, I don't think that people on the left would be out there arguing that we need to take them seriously no, at no. all. They'd be like, oh, uh, those are kids, and <laughs> they obviously don't know anything, so we don't need to listen to them. Right. So we've got this weird thing now where, you know, we saw it with the shootings and that David Hogg guy the, um, from that Parkland school that was uh, has become the, you know, anti-Second Amendment advocate, gun control advocate, going around speaking at places, all that. Although I think he's 18 now, man. He's He might even be 19. Probably not a kid anymore. Is he the one that somehow got into Harvard? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty know. sure. We'll have, to fact, we'll have to have some of our staff check on that sometime. We don't know. Maybe he is smart. It's Maybe he's very smart. I don't possible. know. But we've got this weird thing where um, kids are getting up now, and they're becoming activists, and which is, which is fine, it's it's good for kids to get involved in things. That that is good. I like to see kids care. Yeah, I think that's 
It's good to see. That's th- a good thing. It's good to see kids. I mean, they're they're doing this rather than you know like doing drugs and robbing places. You know that it's better. It's better than a lot of the alternatives that they could be doing. So I guess I'll commend them for that and putting their time towards something that they find uh, very meaningful. The problem is, over all this time, the kids have just been being fed all of this garbage information, this completely biased, one-sided information for their entire lives. They're, they're stressed out. They think that our world's about to end. They're getting told by their parents and their teachers and by the government and the media all the time that our world's about to end. They're, they're in high school, and we've got politicians telling them that by the time they're in their 30s, our world's going to be past saving, that there's no point in them even doing anything in their lives, basically, except for doing this, yep. uh, which we'll hear one of them say. There's, uh, I've, got some, I've got an interview from two of the different children who were there testifying before the United States Congress and just chastising them for not doing anything on climate change. Nobody called me when I was a kid. I know. I know. What's up with that? Why didn't I get to testify? I got to give up, uh, go up in the fifth grade, and I gave a speech in front of the whole school um, about uh, about staying off of drugs. I won the Dare. You remember Dare? That thing. I won the Dare essay contest. I got a little trophy and everything, and I got nice. to go up and give my speech in front of the school. Dare to keep kids off drugs. Yeah, that's what D A R E stands for. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the actual letters stand <laughs> <No>. for. <laughs> to, to keep kids off drugs. Yeah, Something that's what like it that. is. So um, there's this weird thing, and I guess we can talk about maybe this societal thing real quick before we get into all these interviews, and then all of the data that I've that I've been picking all day to to talk about. Before you get there, though, what I what I want to say is I what we were talking about earlier is I like kids being involved, and I like that kids care. But here's the thing: is that kids should never be dictating policy. No, like kids can have, uh, let's say, a within their uh, their perspective of reality an informed opinion. But let's face it: there's some things in life that you just don't get to form an opinion on until you've actually lived long enough yeah 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 and that's just reality and also until you've lived long enough to develop rational you know reasoning skills scientifically logic skills all pre- kinds of things your prefrontal cortex doesn't stop developing until you're 25 yeah it's one of the reasons the drinking age is 21 it's <laughs> one of the reasons i'm not saying it should be but what i'm saying because alcohol of, affects your prefrontal cortex absolutely that's it, right and so where de- it goes the development of your prefrontal cortex it doesn't really finish Developing through 25, they don't even know if that's true. Then it could be further than that. But the latest scientific evidence suggests that your prefrontal cortex keeps developing until you're 25. So until you're 25, I don't care what you have to say. I'm just going to say that. When I was in grade school, you remember in our um, social studies class, did you guys do like the mock election and like yeah. have your own country and mm-hmm. all that? I'm pretty certain I was fairly socialist at that point in time because most kids are. Because it sounds the best. It's the easiest sounding solution. Hey, everyone's going to have everything and everything will be okay and we'll all be happy. Staunch neoconservative. Yeah, I'm sure. And when you were in the seventh grade? Seventh grade. Yeah, I think I voted for Bush. Yeah. (laughs) My vote didn't count. Yeah. But. Well, I ran for president. um, And I can tell you, I. I thought that socialist policies sounded pretty good at that point in time. They do to children. That's the problem. That's one of my main points here. They do to adults. Yeah, they still (laughs) do to adults. But think about the ideology that most speaks to children. 
it's socialism. More and more children would be in favor of socialism over capitalism when they do all these polls on teenagers and, and young people. Because they've so never had a job. That, it's not just that. <laughs> it's that you just don't even have the logic and reasoning and rationality to really think past what you can see in front of your own face. And when someone's telling you that if we just institute these policies, there's all these evil people that have this money. If we institute these policies, everyone's going to have everything that they ever want, ever. Uh, you go for it. It sounds the best out of everything. This is a little off the beaten path, but I have to tell this story because it's hilarious. Nate, you had very uh, rightly mentioned when people were talking about asking their their young kids, like two, three, four, five years old, what their gender was, and they could make up their own gender, you know? Yeah. They, they would know whether they were a boy or a girl. Yeah. And Nate, you made the comment to me, like, if I asked my son whether he was a boy or a girl, he would just answer and say, oh, big truck. <laughs> no joke. A couple of weeks ago, I picked up my son from school, from his daycare, and I decided to test this hypothesis. Yeah. I was like, there's no way Nate's right. He's not even going to, he's just going to be like, eh, whatever. I asked my son, no joke, riding down the car. I said, Parker, are you a boy or a girl? And he goes, dad, 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 big truck. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, so my son's a truck. I hope they have that option on the birth certificates. And, That's all I'm saying. And I, you know, I guess I have to listen to him because he's now of age. He can decide his yeah. gender, and his gender is a is a truck. Yeah. Now, is a truck masculine or feminine? We don't know yet. We don't know what kind of truck. We're it still is. we're still delving into the science on that. Yeah, could be a Ford, could be a Chevy. We don't know. Yeah, well, most sure. time he likes semis. Yeah, he does. So those are those are big. Could be an international. Yeah. Could be a, a Volvo. The point is, kids don't know anything. <laughs> That's the point. That's the point that we're trying to get across. It's also wanted to tell you how right you were, though. I appreciate on. that. He literally called. Anytime himself. you can tell me I'm right, I really appreciate it. He said that his gender was a truck, and you you nailed it. <laughs> it was hilarious. We need to get that on video sometime. I should. I should ask yeah. him on camera. <laughs> we'll put it to the Facebook and the YouTube's. It's just, I mean, think back to when you were a kid. And the things, your view of the world at that point in time, you know, or your view of your future or anything, were you right about any of it? I mean, I even said in the article, like, well, you got a 17-year-old girl up there testifying testifying in front of the U.S. Congress. Now, if you ask that girl, say she has a boyfriend or girlfriend, whatever, I don't care, her, her significant other... If she was like, oh, I love this person and I know that we're going to spend the rest of our lives together and we're soulmates, you would be like, all right, kid, I get it, but you don't understand what you're even talking about right now. Everyone thinks that they're going to marry the person that they're dating when they're a senior in high school. Everyone thinks that. I'm not saying some people don't. It happens I mean, sometimes. Yeah, sure. I'm not saying it can't happen or that it shouldn't happen. It's what I'm saying often. is like everyone who is dating someone when they're in high school thinks that they're going to be together forever and that's just perfect and they know everything about their relationship and how it's supposed to be and how their life's going to go. And they're almost never accurate because they don't understand life or life experience whatsoever. They don't understand it to the point that they don't even understand the fact that they don't understand it. Like that's, <laughs> that's how bad it is when you're that age. I'm trying to follow that. Hang on. <laughs> They don't understand the understanding of understanding it. It's 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 ignorance yes. is what it is. Uh, Naivety. Yeah, naive. Yeah. If you were to go up to someone and you were to tell them that they don't understand anything about real relationships, and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm trying to work on it, I'm trying to work on it. Well, that's them understanding that they don't get it. 
But if they're like, what do you mean? I completely understand it. That's them not understanding the fact that they don't understand it. That's what I, that's what I meant by that. And that's where these kids are. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm not saying we should make a law, but there should be some kind of rule of thumb that you have to be like 50% cynical before you can actually have a... <laughs> you have to get rid of 50% of your... Uh, your naivety you have to wait and have about 50 percent of your life is cynicism if you say something positive you have to also list out all of the negatives whenever you do yes it. all of the negative potential things just a rule of thumb i'm just saying maybe which, just for yourself i'm not it doesn't have to be a law just think about it which apparently according to these kids they're all negative everything is negative all the time they're all they're all anxious and and worried about the world because of climate change they all think that the world's about to end Thanks to our media and our government and our school systems and a lot of the parents, probably about half of the parents out there. And so, our, what, 28-year-old congresswoman? Yeah. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez? One of these girls, it's, lit, it's painfully obvious that, the, that she spent the entire week watching AOC videos before she did this. Um, the only problem is she got way better than AOC at it. So <laughs> that's, that's the only issue. But so she's articulate. Yeah. But we've we've we're like in this point society where like we're listening to kids like kids are dictating things. You know, I'm not just even talking about politics like kids run the household in a lot of places, you know, whatever they want. Sure, we'll we'll do it. Kids in school, they're they they can run the school in a lot of these schools. I'm not going to drop any names or school districts or anything, but um, someone very close to me is a teacher and literally these school systems are becoming daycare centers. That's all they are. They do not have any power over the children whatsoever. The parents do not care at all. The administration just wants them to be quiet and, and push people through each grade. And that's what we're looking at right now. And there's this idea that like kids are right about things. And I've seen it with my mom, who is a teacher. Um, when a kid will go home and say, well, this, this, and this happened, and Miss Miss uh, Robinson said this, so that's what's that's what's happening. And then the parent will call my mom, and they'll be like, "My mom will be like, no, well, that's not what happened at at all." And the parent believes the kid, the kid, the fourth or fifth grader. Yeah, they believe that their kid. There's no possible freaking way in the entire world that their kid could be lying to them in the fourth or fifth grade. I think it the Y two K bug. That's what that was actually. So in two thousand. <laughs> So 2000 on, kids stopped lying. That's what it was. Yes, yeah. that's, that's the only logical explanation. I, you know, I hadn't the thought about mil, it. The yeah. new millennium. Yep, I had not thought Adults about it. Adults lie, kids don't. <laughs> but you're no, you're right. It's it's absolutely crazy that uh, my kid is only he's not even three yet and still lies all the time. Yeah. I asked him this morning if he wanted breakfast. He said no, Dada. But then he proceeded to eat something. <laughs> it's like you little liar. The other day, I, I didn't tell you because I didn't want to ruin my friendship with your son. But he was in the living room and he uh, spilled something over onto the floor. And immediately after he spilled it, you were sitting at the table. Immediately after he spilled it, he turned around and creeped around the corner and looked at you to see if you saw it happen. <laughs> and when he saw that you didn't see it happen, he just turned back around and started playing just again. Went on his merry way. That's And he's not even three. Wow. Like, you're doing a terrible job. Thanks for just not telling me. <laughs> I'm sorry to put that out on the air live. Now I can't lecture him. Yeah. So anyway, um, I've got a lot of clips from this, uh, this testimony in front of Congress, uh, these what's, kids, these climate change activists. Um, you know, there's two different girls. 
Um, I will tell you their names after we listen to the first clip right here. Oh. Listen to this. We'll call this one Ashley. Now, this one, she's actually from Sweden. She she boated herself all the way over here to talk about climate change to the U.S. Congress. So She you, paid for this herself. You'll notice, yeah, you'll notice a bit of an accent when she's talking. Don't worry. There's nothing wrong. She's just from another country. So we'll listen to her. Testifying in front of the United States yeah, Congress. <laughs> and she portrays just her vast knowledge, vast, vast knowledge on the subject of climate change. This is not political opinions, political views or my opinions. This is, this is the science. So, yeah. All right, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) And climate change is real. All right, that's definitely worth our congressman's time for sure. Yeah, yeah. She uh, really great points. So anyway, that one was obviously kind of a kind of a joke. Can't Um, believe you're poking fun at kids now. Although serious, I mean, people were videotaping her and taking pictures, and Congress men and women were listening to her talk about this. How old was her? How old was she? Um, I didn't get her age. The next girl's seventeen. her last name is Margolin. I think her first name is Jamie, possibly something like that. Um, maybe from Seattle. So we All will. Right, Jamie, enlighten us. Let's see. This is how serious this is to these kids. Similar to Vic, I already have like underlying issues of like anxiety, and it's just really hard to grow up in a world full of ifs. You know, I don't think a lot of people in Congress understand the conversations that are happening in everyday American high schools, but we're constantly asked, prepare for your future, study for your future, do this for your future. Um, But our our world is full of ifs. I'll be talking to my best friend and she'll be like, yeah, you know, I really wanna see this natural place sometime if it's gonna still be around. Um, I really wanna study to be this if, that's still gonna be a possibility. And it's just like this constant looming uncertainty. And it's this weird form of, of nihilism and and weird um, just fear that's that's been existing in my generation, where kids are joking like, "What is even like the point? The the world is is ending. What are we studying for? What are we doing?" Um, and it's this kind of depression. It's this fear that is not just among me or my panelists here, but but everyone. And that anxiety is something that no child should ever have to fear because if you think so, okay, couple things, couple things there. You can talk on the nihilism thing, too. Thanks, I, Jamie. Yeah. So in in one part of that, she's right in the fact that kids should not have to be dealing with this. They should. And, and this fault is on the parents and the administrators at the schools, the teachers, and on our government and the media. And the fact that in the time that these kids have grown up, it has been literally nothing but negativity on the news and the fact that our world's about to end every single day, all the time. So I, I want to say something to that, though. Yeah. You don't think every kid in every single yeah. generation has grown up with some type of fear? Exactly. So that's... The Cold War, Cold War with the atomic bombs that yeah. lasted, what, from the 50s almost to the 90s? Then you had the Iraq War. Then we got hit with terrorists in the 2000s. When I was, when I was a kid in school, we had to fear terrorists bombing our school and stuff. What kid hasn't grown up with some kind of fear that their world's just going to end? Look, the world's out to get you. Yeah. That's the truth. And, and and that's the problem here is that we're teaching them that that's wrong and that we somehow have to... It's wrong that the world is full of ifs. That's the other thing I was going to talk about. She talks as if there's this massive problem and we've created this world full of ifs for kids and that's why they're really anxious. And the problem is a couple parts of that. Uh, 
There's always ifs, like Charlie's saying, all the time. There's always ifs on everything. You don't know if you're going to have a good career. You don't know if you're going to have a, a good rest of your life. You don't know if you're going to have some kind of an accident on the way home. Like, you you never know. You you do not know. So there's always ifs, all the time. And the... Um, That's the, life. Life is yeah. one giant if. Yeah. The, uh, the other part of that is, you know... The parent, it's kind of what we were just talking about with the society and the fact that instead of teaching kids that life is hard and you need to find a way to get past it, and there are ifs, and that's why you need to make the best decisions that you can to be as responsible as possible all the time. Instead of the parents and the teachers going with that narrative, which is the narrative that they actually need to be going with, everyone's taking this narrative of, oh, the kids are unhappy and they're anxious. And we must be at fault. And if they're anxious and they don't, you know, they're scared, then we have to take that away from them. We're not creating a safe space world for the kids. So we have to make sure that we can do this in some kind of way. And and that goes along with this mentality that, like, kids are right, that they don't need to be challenged whatsoever, that they know what they're talking about, that um, it, it's, it's just like a continuation of that. And it equals some of this mindset that the kids end up growing up with all the time. What about so, the if of, like, whether or not that job exists in the future, what about the if of like, are you good enough to even do that job? Yeah. Oh yeah. I'd love to be a doctor if I was good enough to get the grades to be a doctor. Yeah. You know, I'd love to be a race car driver if I was good enough at turning left. (laughs) Like, Like there's other ifs in life besides whether or not something's going to exist. Yeah. Her, her big if or her first anxiety point that she mentioned was that her and her friends want to go to some type of natural park uh, and they're worried that it won't be there anymore. Yeah. Like, that's a point of anxiety these that's days. That's scary. That's scary. That's, that's very so, scary. They should tell that story to some people in Africa and get some real book circulation over there. <laughs> yeah. You know? They would get a, they'd sell a lot of copies, for sure. And the whole nihilism thing, I mean, I guess I kind of see where she's coming from now that I listen to the whole clip uh, of how they're devolving into this weird nihilism uh, where... I mean, anybody can do this at any point in life where, you know, the, the basics of nihilism is where in this, at least in this point of context is that life has no meaning because, well, it doesn't matter what we do now because the world, because the climate change is going to end in 2032 now. Something like that. Yeah. So in 12 years, we're all going to die anyway. So what's the point? Um, You could ask that about anything because you're going to die no matter what. Yeah. Whether the world ends or not, like you're going to die. That's true. Kid, Jamie, you're not going to live. Maybe with advances in modern science and you have a high level of income, you could possibly live to be, I don't know, 250, maybe 300. Something like that. Um, but don't be stupid. You're not going to live forever. No <laughs> one lives forever. So anybody can devolve into nihilism <laughs> if you just think about the fact that you're going to die anyway. And everyone you love is going to die. Yeah, like Nate, you're gonna die. I know one day. So are you. And we've been, so am I. We've been best friends since we were in high school, and we're with each other almost every single yeah. day. And one of us is gonna be here when the other person dies, unless we at die some at the same time, time holding hands. Yeah, like, unless we're driving off a cliff in our car, or something right. like that. Yeah, we could get in the same accident. We're yeah. going to Detroit next weekend. Yeah, something could happen. Something could happen. You never know. One of us could die today. One of us could die when we're ninety. It's just. Death, unfortunately, is a part of life, which sounds like an oxymoron because the opposite of life is death and the opposite of death is life. But death and life, they kind of coincide. Yeah. You know, anything that's living is going to die. You can't have one without the other. Your dogs die. Trees die. 
Even little lizards and, and <laughs> bunnies. Flies, I mean, they only live like two days max. God. If you see like a big fly, congratulate that thing because it should be on Social <laughs> Security. It should be <laughs> collected. It, for seven yeah, days. I mean, good job yeah. because that thing has far surpassed the rest of its Some family members. only live for a few hours. Yeah. So anyway. It's crazy. The point is like this always exists. It's, it's always the case. It, and there's always been some kind of fear. Yeah. And the problem is, instead of talking to children and these teens about the fact that you need to find ways to get over that, frankly, that you need to find a way to get past that, because that's always going to be a fact of life once you solve climate change, the Earth could get hit by an asteroid immediately after you is immediately after you institute your new taxation that's going to save the world. It could get hit by an asteroid, or all the okay? volcanoes could erupt at the same yeah, time. Yeah, <laughs> you literally. There's always going to be a reason to be a nihilist. There's always a reason, right? So that the parents and the teachers need to be doing a better job at teaching kids the way to get over this. That's why we love Jordan Peterson so much. Cause he's the only one that's talking about the actual solution to all of these problems. Right. And that's to take responsibility for that existential existence of life. The fact that you're going to die. And so you have a finite amount of time here on this earth. And the way to have a meaningful life is to do everything that you possibly can with your existence to make the world a little bit better place than you found it. And you don't do that by believing everything's meaningless and there's no point. That's not how you live your life. You live your life by everything you do matters. And the best way to do that is to, to live a good life and tell the truth. I mean, that's essentially the best thing that these kids could possibly do instead of advocating and testifying before Congress about the world, about climate change, which we don't even know is a hundred percent real. Yeah. Um, I've got another clip here about uh, the same girl. This is the AOC wannabe I was talking about. So um, I'm pretty sure the same speechwriter that writes AOC's speeches probably wrote all of this girl's stuff. But we'll uh, we'll see. I don't know that for sure. It's just speculation. Just, yeah. Speculation. It's fun to speculate. Or maybe she is the one that writes AOC's speeches. That's actually the more well, more probable one. I would it's say. Possible. Yeah. I have a question. When your children ask you. Did you do absolutely everything in your power to stop the climate crisis when the storms are getting worse and we're seeing all the effects of the climate crisis? When they ask you, did you do everything? I can't let that one go uh, <laughs> much further. I'm sorry. Already. The storms are getting the worse. The storms are getting worse. Go back to some of our later episodes on climate change. This whole idea that weather is getting worse due to climate change is completely ridiculous. Because we've only got about 200 years worth of possibly accurate data on the weather. Possibly accurate. And we haven't even data. broken all the records yet. It's actually, I said 200, and I was, I was being generous. It's 140 years of yeah. possibly accurate data that we haven't even broken down all of it yet to figure out what the weather, pattern was, weather patterns were. But the point is, that represents like nothing in time on the Earth. Nothing. It represents hardly anything whatsoever because all of the scientists that this girl is referencing will agree that the earth has been here for like 4.54 billion years. Now, if you got your calculator out and you saw the 140 years that we've measured the weather of, 
and said that we had an accurate representation that the weather was getting worse and that it was the worst weather that we've ever had on planet Earth by measuring 140 years out of 4.54 billion, you would see that we have a statistical sample rate of about 0.0000001% of the amount of time the Earth has existed. There is, there is no reputable scientist that would say that you could accurately form a statistic, just say you're going to do polling data for an election. They still have to get several thousand people to answer those to even consider it a scientific poll. Yet we can take the fact that there was a hurricane um, that was really bad, and they'll say they'll say like the worst hurricane on record. And by the way, most of the time they're talking about financially. They'll be talking about Hurricane Sandy that hit New Jersey and New York and all that. The worst hurricane on record. They're talking about financially, the amount of money damage that it did. Because everything's more expensive. Because everything's more expensive over there, and our money has inflated so much over time that it could have happened in the same place, and it would still be more expensive because of time and money. And the worst hurricane on record was in, like, 1902. 1900, actually. 1900. In Galveston. The Galveston hurricane. The yeah. great Galveston hurricane. It killed between 6,000 to 12,000 fatalities. The official reports is 8,000. Yeah. It had a storm surge of 8 to 12 feet. Uh, it destroyed about 7,000 buildings, uh, almost 4,000 homes, and it left 10,000 people homeless uh, in Galveston, Texas. I've been to Galveston. You also remember hearing about that, um, what do they call it, like the tri-state tornado, quad-state tornado, something like that, this massive tornado that went through. That was in like 1910, something like that. They have to look up the actual year on that. I'm, I'm sure it's not exactly 1910, but point being... If we have a really bad hurricane and they say it's the worst ever on record, that record is almost no time that Earth has been here. We do not have the accurate record. When they talk about the wildfires are getting worse, they've been measuring the wildfires and the way they're measuring them right now since like 2013. So it's <laughs> literally, literally. You know what's funny? My mom used to work for the Forest Service. Uh, yeah. She was actually Smokey the Bear. And back in her time in the 90s, I think it was late 80s, early 90s, they actually used to go, like, clean the forest. Yeah. They would take the dead wood and the brush and all that stuff, and they would clean it out. Why? Because that's what... That's what burns up. That's what burns the fires. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's what is easily catched on fire because it's dried out. It's, but, but then we even we lose sight but, of the point that forests need to burn sometimes. But now, but what, well, now they can't do that, though. They can't do... They have to leave it in its natural habitat. Well, guess what? Forests, in their natural state burn up sometimes that's what that's they exactly do exactly what they do they, they have to actually yeah they, they they literally have to burn up they have you, to transform you cannot say that this is the worst wildfire ever because total wildfire data is still just about a hundred years that we have and we weren't even accurately measuring it because we didn't have people and satellites and all kinds of stuff in the amazon rainforest measuring how much of it was burning at that point in time so it's completely ridiculous to act as if we are in some kind of Climate change created catastrophe every time some kind of bad weather event happens. That's all. Now, I'm not saying that there isn't any kind of climate change whatsoever caused by putting carbon into the air. Yep. I'm not actually saying that. That probably is a bad thing. It's probably a bad thing to take stuff from the ground and put it in the air, like Elon Musk would say. However. However. Blaming all of these recent weather occurrences <laughs> somehow on human-contributed climate change is uh, the science just doesn't back it up. I don't care what the 97% consensus is. It, 
the computer models are wrong. And well, if you don't believe me, go look at them. The problem is, think about if you're going to be a scientist. We've said this before on another podcast. If you're going to be a scientist and you're going to spend several years studying something, well, you need some money. Any kind of scientist, any person that's going to go do something, you need some kind of funding. Now, for the last 40 or 50 years, the government's been offering grants to anyone who was going to study climate change. If you are going to study the sex patterns of sea turtles, you're not going to get any money. But if you're going to study the effect that climate change has on the sex patterns of sea turtles, then you will get money. All of it. Yes, you'll get all the money that you need. So the problem is all of our climate scientist data is completely presented one-sided because the only way that you are a scientist and will have money to fund your scientific research is if you're studying climate change. The easiest way, I'd say. Yeah, the easiest way. Not they the fund, only way. They fund sure. other things. Other people fund scientists. That's, right. that's other people, private people. The government has all kinds of other grants. But the easiest way to do that is I've read articles from people saying like they applied for funding and then basically they just had to resubmit with the word climate change in the title and they would get approved for it. Yeah, a lot easier. Yeah. What else does she have to say in this clip? Let's see what else. Oh, you, want, oh. you don't even care about the rest of that clip? Uh, I guess I went away from it. I don't know what she was. I don't remember. What, oh, she was talking about, um, could you look your kids in the eye and yeah. tell them that you did everything that you can uh, about that part? So that was basically the rest of it. She just kept saying that kind of point over and over again. Including economically devastating That's, the entire population. That's exactly what I was going to say. That's exactly what have I had. you starved everyone to, to death enough? Like that climate that we know climate change isn't real. Okay. So you might have to look your children in the eye and say that you didn't do everything that you could on climate change. Could you look your kids in the eye and say that you did everything you could to stop our impending financial collapse and the destruction of all the world economies because of putting money that doesn't exist behind technologies that are not yet fully developed? Yeah. I would be like, uh, no, honey, we weren't able to do everything we could because you bitched and moaned about the new iPhone coming out. <laughs> and I had to weigh the options, uh, save my kid's future or buy her the new iPhone so she shuts up. Yep, they weren't at all. They're and kids. So, they know, weren't at all. I chose the new iPhone. Now, don't worry. She's not done yet because she needs to still blame. She needs to blame capitalism and greed still. So we, oh, have, to, yeah, okay. we have to get to that here real quick. Fighting Did she make her to protect own the Amazon rainforest, and that is a place in the world where people are gravely suffering, not exactly from climate change itself, but from the causes of the climate crisis. The animal agriculture industry is behind, and the, the collusion of the animal agriculture industry with the governments of Brazil and other countries that would rather make a short-term profit than protect the lungs of our planet. The Amazon rainforest is the lungs of our planet. Um, and that's why we're seeing these massive fires, and it is indigenous protectors like the one- Okay, now, I've got a couple things on that. She's blaming the agriculture industry in one, so I got a thing on that. And then also, she is talking about the Amazon rainforest being the lungs of our planet. I've got two really, I've got some good news for you, little girl, by the way. Do not fret. People are solving this problem. Actually, before you even hear, these problems are getting solved. Like the story from the uh, goodnewsnetwork.org, a great website you should go check mm -hmm. out if you want to feel a little bit more positive. The Good News Net, it's... Because there are lots of positive things happening. It's actually mostly positive yeah. that's, that's happening. Um, we just only focus on the negative wave. Of, Didn't you talk about starting the Good News podcast? Yeah, yeah. I we think should do that. That would be pretty good. Yeah. Can I be in on that? Uh, I'll let you know. 
I'll let you know. Okay. All right. We'll, well see. Fine. I'm going to use the mic and the computer and all that stuff. Though. Oh, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll, I'll use all the equipment. Yeah. Um, so I'll take it out of your paycheck. Good news. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> When you talk about the agriculture industry and the fact that a lot of our greenhouse gases do come from gas that is put out by cows. Cow farts. Yeah, cow farts out there. That's uh, And burps. They actually, a lot of burps, too. The very gassy animals, apparently. I mean, apparently. they have six stomachs. So they, they discovered, scientists discovered in Australia, that there is a naturally occurring seaweed that they f- they put at a rate of 2% mixture into their cattle feed. And it reduced the cow emissions, that is the farts and burps of the cows, it reduced their emissions by 99%. It, this naturally occurring seaweed that we found. So That's impressive. That's good news. One, it's something that we can grow and we can put into cattle feed. Here's a study we should fund. Yeah. How loud can a cow belch? If the gas comes from all six of its stomachs at the same time, that'd be. Pre- I mean, I want to know the decimals on that. Pretty high decibel rate on that. I'm pretty sure. And what are the effects of that loud belch on climate change? And that yeah. way we can get it. Funded. Well, they just have noise pollution at that point in time too. Right. We got to worry about. So, yeah. but the good news, the good news <laughs> is that we found this very very cheap alternative solution. That all we got to do is add it to cattle feed, and they won't have any emissions anymore. They will have one percent of the emissions that they currently have. So instead of getting up before Congress and blaming the agriculture industry and the livestock industry and their collusion with governments and the blaming them for climate change, you could just be happy about the fact that there's a very very cheap additive that we found for cattle feed that can completely take away their methane emissions. That's really good news. By the way, if you want to reduce methane emissions. Yeah. Now, the other thing, she talked about the Amazon rainforest being the lungs of our planet. Obviously, trees take in carbon dioxide and then they emit oxygen. That's pretty important. Yeah. Pretty freaking I like important. Breathing. Uh, breathing is one of the main things I do every day, I will say. So, it's actually, you know, we talked about how people can't live without food. It's even, I mean, it's even harder to go without air. So, so it's important. Yeah. Yeah. You got about five to 10 minutes. Don't worry. Oxygen. Good news, though. This new bioactor uses algae to capture as much carbon dioxide as an acre of trees. Now, that's a good headline right there. That's good stuff. Not only that, but there are more trees in North America right now yeah. than there were 100 years ago. That's true, also. Yeah. But so the good thing is. Thanks to, by the way, this Austin-based tech company, Hypergiant Industries, they've used AI to optimize algae growth and carbon capture and the algae output. And they've made these little bioactors. Literally, I see a picture of it. It's about the size of a stand-up shower. And this stand-up... Like one of those uh, photo booths. This, yeah, it's like a little photo booth. Yeah. This photo booth-sized algae container takes in more carbon dioxide than an entire acre of trees. Now, can you imagine, thank you to this tech company for coming up with this technology, can you imagine if every single building had one of those on the top of it, or every single yard have, have one of those in the yard? We might have too much oxygen, that honestly. That would be a planet lung transplant. Yes, it would. It would be the first ever entire planet lung transplant. <laughs> transplant sure. the lungs from the Amazon to every building. So... That's really good news. That's not, you know, 
there's no reason to be so upset about that when we have capitalism, these people who are developing this tech company who came up with a way to replace an entire acre of trees with this little thing that's the size of a stand-up shower. That's awesome. And with advances in modern science, I bet they can get that even smaller in like 10 years. Well, I'm sure. I mean, this is just like the first, their prototype of it, and, and it's working better than they ever expected. Um, uh, real quick before we move on to the next clip, I just got to mention something else that's kind of funny. Uh, we're getting ready to do, go to video probably in the next month or so. Yeah. Um, and I'm still <laughs> sick. And I was just imagining in my head if everybody could see me on camera right now. It's absolutely hilarious. We're going to really have to. Because, <laughs> because, well, one, the desk is a mess. And two, I've got uh, some toilet paper stuck up my nose because I'm still sick and I can't stop my nose from just draining. I mean, it's just like, yeah, if I don't have this toilet paper in here, it would just. And I just thought it'd be funny if everyone saw that. We're going to have to like start hilarious. putting thought into what we're wearing more so than like, I just have like. I mean, my shorts are like '70s gym shorts right now. Uh-huh. It's it's Your like legs I'm look it's good. like I'm wearing boxers right now. And someday we're gonna have someday. I mean, like in a month, we're gonna have three cameras in here going yeah. live live yeah. have you, and we're gonna have to make sure we don't just look like complete idiots the whole time. <laughs> we can talk just fine, but then worrying about what we look like, yeah, that's a problem. No, don't fear. We're very handsome. Yeah. So yeah. you're gonna like what we look like. Yeah. But yeah. It's just it's interesting when on days like today where we can still do a a podcast, it would look hilarious if you saw the nose paper sticking out of my nose now, paper. Nose paper. Thanks you for, saw the toilet paper. It's nose out of my paper nose. now. <laughs> if everyone could please get that image in their head, the person that is speaking to you right now has a piece of toilet paper shoved up their nose in front of the microphone. So that's what Charlie looks like right now. Yep. So um also now she has to present a warped version of albert einstein's famous definition of insanity to describe um why it's ridiculous for us to look to capitalism to save us from what she says capitalism has caused real quick i realize my time is running out but this is a 17 year old Einstein defined insanity as trying to solve an issue with the same thinking that caused it and right now something that has been disturbing me a lot is seeing the way that we are trying to colonize and buy and sell our way out of a problem caused by colonization and buying and selling thank you okay so her version of Einstein's insanity definition which um is not the easiest to find on the internet. Actually, some people say that he's not the one who said it. Her version was that it's trying to solve an issue with the same thing that caused it. And you think she changed that for that little speech right there she had to give? Oh, yeah. Because I've never, I haven't seen a lot of quotes that said the definition of insanity is trying to solve an issue using the same thing that caused it. That seems more like a political definition of insanity. Yes. Actually. Because the actual common definition would basically be doing the same thing uh, over and over again and expecting a different result. Now, I will say I, I don't mind her political definition because like when we talk about healthcare, yeah, uh, governments cause the problems in healthcare. Why do we think government can fix it? Yeah. I think that's uh, not the definition of insanity, but I think it's insane to think that the entity that caused it. But the real problem here is she's laying the blame at the feet of capitalism. And it's really funny that She's speaking into a microphone developed by capitalists. Uh, she's wearing clothes made by capitalists. I bet she bought her makeup from Sephora, which <laughs> is a capitalist makeup company. Um, what else? 
uh, yeah, every part of her life. Yeah. She's sitting in the building she's sitting in because of capitalism. She probably ate enough food today because of capitalism. She's not starving in the streets because of capitalism. Um, literally 98% of her life exists because of capitalism. I bet she even took an Uber there. <laughs> she might have. I don't, although that's against that's, Uber policy. That's speculation. Yeah. That, uh, it's, it's against Uber policy. To, to take underage people, yeah. Oh, okay. Everyone okay. does it, well, but she, she it's against policy. Parents. Like, a lot of kids use Uber to send their kids to school. A lot of parents use Uber to send their kids to oh. school every day, which is nuts. I guess it's fine, but anyway, kind of nuts. Um, yeah, so she's blaming capitalism for the problem. Um, the issue is that if not for capitalism, okay, maybe some of this carbon emission thing wouldn't have happened, but... Also, we wouldn't have had enough food to feed the planet, and that's a that's a pretty big deal. That she probably wouldn't even exist. Literally, she wouldn't exist um, if not for the capitalism. And if you were to look at all of this, say you're like a thousand years in the future, and somehow we're still here, and it's a thousand years in the future, and you look back at the uh, at the year 1900 and looked at at that era that began after that. Now, there was a time where we were putting a lot of carbon into the atmosphere and polluting very heavily, uh, which I'll bring up later. We have been reducing great amounts every single year. Um, there was a time when we were doing that. And, and then, in doing that, we found ways to not have to do it anymore. That's, that's the point. That maybe there was this hundred-year span of time where we were just Neanderthals that were using fossil fuels to burn things. And... In that society, in the growth of that society, and all of the production and creativity and innovation that happened, we quickly developed new ways to have energy. And that's something that we have to look back. You know, you're someone a thousand years in the future looking back. So she also has to consider the fact that capitalism is the only thing that possibly can stop this from happening because the government's not exactly great at innovating things and creating new things uh, that are actually worth the money that they're that's spent on them. So uh, one more thing from her talking about her fear and despair that her generation has to go through. I want the entirety of Congress, in fact, the whole U.S. government, to remember the fear and despair that my generation lives with every day, and I want you to hold on to it. How do I even begin to convey to you what it feels like to know that within my lifetime, the I don't even have to go any further into that one, actually. Can we talk about how ridiculous it is for her to be up there trying to get these 60-year-old men to try and understand the fear and despair that her generation has to go through? No. I mean, that's compl it's it's I, in it's insane. I I mean, I grew up with no fear. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just saying, I mean, look Even, at the people she's talking to and look at what they had to go through when they were growing up. Right. Like, they had to start working. Even us? Like, yeah. I mean, there is a lot of different fear and despair that people have to go through. Now, despair is a ridiculous word to use to uh, a ridiculous kind of terminology for what our this generation has to go through. And even our generation. Despair? Really? Right. Despair? Has she ever looked at a history book before? But she's on. She's in Congress, trying to preach to them about the despair of her generation, and it is literally the best time for humanity ever in the history of the planet. 
Oh, the only better day would be tomorrow. That's tomorrow will be a better time than it is today. Um, it's it's just kind of insane if you were to think about if there were a person that like time traveled from the year 1850 and they were sitting there listening to her talk about the fear and despair that her generation has to go through. It's like you don't have a clue. You know, that's I'm saying like this is the mentality that we're that we let it keeps fostering and growing because there's no there's no control over the kids anymore. There's no uh, personal responsibility being preached to them. There's there's no kind of discipline whatsoever really anymore. Your discipline is that you get your freaking space phone taken away from you. A form of discipline that wouldn't even have existed like 10 years ago, by the way. Oh, (laughs) your discipline is that you can't do something that's freaking magic. Now you're disciplined. Now you're disciplined, kid. I do want to say that there are hardships that kids still go through, obviously. I mean, you know, there's bullying and there's other things that make life not fun, but I think a little gratitude and perspective could go a long way. Um, like you're the richest kid in history. Yeah. You're in the top 10 of the top 1% in all of human history ever. You know, I visited uh, Peru a couple of years ago and this is a, you know, a country that exists today even. And, and this was just a couple of years ago. Uh, there were, there were kids that had to walk uh, about, six or seven miles down a mountain to go to school and then they walk up a mountain to come back home and a lot of them still farm and they don't have internet they don't have phones they don't have any of the luxuries that i'm sure uh miss jamie has now she may not have any of those who knows she could have grown she could be living in a trailer like i did when i grew up and i didn't have a phone but all that's possible but i guarantee you she is way richer not only than other people in the world, but definitely way richer than a 17 year old growing up. Like you said, in, in 1850 or even 1900 or hell, even 1950. Yeah. Way richer, more opportunities, more chances for advancement for, to do anything that you want. I mean, Jesus, the the birth control pill was invented in the sixties. So especially for a woman, like you have the freedom now, you're not bound by your reproductive system no longer, uh, as women were prior to the invention of the birth control pill. Uh, it was very difficult to do things in life uh, when you when the possibility of children uh, existed, and if you wanted to have sex, well, then you just had to um, you had to live with that realization that your reproductive system could produce a child, and then that. That sets your life on a completely different course. Well, now women have been emancipated from that. Yeah. So as a 17-year-old girl uh, who's going to be a woman, um, she can she can do whatever she wants compared to her grandmother who grew up in the 30s. Yeah. Or maybe 40s now. I don't know. My my grandparents <laughs> grew up in the 50s. 20s and 30s. Know. Yeah. So maybe her grandparents grew up in the 40s and 50s. But even then, the birth control pill wasn't invented until the 60s. So... so in talking about uh, solutions and, and capitalism a little bit, I wanted to give a little example of why I, and I suspect Charlie, also trust in capitalism in the free market to fix this problem um, more efficiently and just overall uh, better there quality. Is a if there is a problem, which there very well might be. 
I trust capitalism to fix it more than I trust the government to fix it. And I wanted to play this little clip from Elon Musk. Um, it's it's him explaining why he decided to find a way to save his rockets instead of letting them burn up in the atmosphere. I mean, it seems common sense, really, actually, especially after he explains it. But they had to ask him, like, why was that important to you that you reuse the rockets? And uh, this is this is what he had to say about it. Um, well, so in order to reuse the the boost stage, which is right. about seventy percent of the cost of the rocket, so that which cost is that? How much is that? Um, well, I mean, it's sort of on the order of thirty to thirty-five million dollars. Right. So you want to save that? Yeah. I mean, it's like I try to I tell my team. It's like imagine there was a pallet of cash right. that was plummeting through the atmosphere. <laughs> and it was going to burn up and smash into tiny pieces, would you try to save it? Right, right, right. Probably yes. Yes, okay. Yeah, uh, that sounds like a good idea. Right, okay. Uh-huh. Um, so, so, yeah, so we, 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 we want to get it back. Right. And that way um, we don't have to make another one. Right. Um, and I think it's quite tragic if rockets like, get smashed into tiny pieces and land so the So can I ocean. ask you a question? We, we've, been in, we've been going to space for... Uh, what, 50 years or something like that? Yeah. Nobody, until you started doing this and Jeff Bezos' company has done it, uh, the government never sort of saved the things, rockets. Yeah. They never saved the pallet of cash. Why not? And the Russians didn't either. I mean, Why not? What Why a great not? question. Why didn't they save it? So, I mean, the answer clearly to that is that he was using his, his money to build those rockets and he was looking for some type of profit eventually off of those rockets and <clears throat> in doing so that incentivized him to come up with this insane way for the rockets to fly themselves back to a boat in the ocean so that's and why didn't the government do that the government didn't do that because they didn't have to worry about the money because it's not their money it's your money it's your they, money and they get to take it from you whether they provide you with value or not they get to take it from you and they don't care yeah they're so, not spending their own money. It's just that it's that kind of inefficiency. And maybe that speaks to you or maybe it doesn't. But in thinking about how capitalism can solve this problem, you have a little example right there of Elon Musk just making the simple, simple realization that, hey, um, imagine you have a pallet of $35 million falling from the sky. Like, do you want to save that? Well, in his mind, yeah, you want to. In the government's mind, they never thought about it. So it's when you're looking for who can best solve this problem, in doing all of this, Elon Musk has invented all kinds of new technologies and all kinds of new efficiencies that just simply didn't exist beforehand. So in doing that, he was able to come up with all these new things and just further this innovation in, in the rocket industry simply because he was trying to save some money so he could make some more profit. And so it's that, it's that motive to be more efficient in the pursuit of profit that has made it to where you used to, when a rocket would go up, it would, they would have to pay about $600 million for it. And now Musk has gotten that cost all the way down to $60 million by doing that. And that was just in the pursuit of profit. And the important part of that is the government would have kept having the poor, let's say it's, he said $35 million for that rocket. Now, I guarantee you that rocket would have cost like $200 million if the government was building it. 
But he said $35 million for that rocket. The point is, there's a way to save it so you didn't have to keep putting $35 million into the rocket, $35 million into the next rocket. Just keep putting $35 million into it all the time. So you save that potential, all that potential money, those potential billions of dollars that simply would have just gone into making more rockets because you never felt the need to make one that you could reuse. Billions of dollars that can now be put into other productive means in the economy. And that's how capitalism can grow an economy and create innovation and more production simply by trying to make more profit. But in doing so, the entire economy grows and people have a better standard of living because of it. And not to mention, it's more environmentally friendly because now the rockets are coming down these reusing and they're not just dumping into the ocean. So it's it's a no-brainer. In fact, the current project that NASA has, I can't even remember what it's called, uh, but I saw this recently. The current project that NASA has is several billion dollars over budget, and they are way overdue on their time. They're not going to hit their goal, I believe, of 2020, which is next year. So much so that they're looking to contract the rest of their project out to Tesla, to Tesla, to SpaceX or Blue Origin, yeah. which is uh, Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos companies, respectively. And so the government's so inefficient that they're so over budget and everything else that they're going to hire uh, the private space industry now to finish their project that they can't finish. Yeah. It's unbelievable. So now to some of the historical data and some of the, I have got some information from articles dating all the way back to 1971, because (laughs) one point I wanted to make where these kids are worried, you know, we've got this 12 year, this 12 year time horizon where it's, it's going to be too late. That's down to like 11. Yeah. Earth is going to be destroyed. We've got to do it now. The earth is about to, you know, it's going towards impending doom. And these kids are living with this every day. And so the next point I wanted to make is that these climate scientists have been saying this for now almost, almost 50 straight years. They've been making these doomsday predictions and saying that we were 10 years away from, from the, the world ending since the 70s. In fact, I think you were talking to me earlier. One guy was willing to even bet. Yeah, he said he would bet. If he was a betting man. He said, he said, and we'll talk about it here in a minute, but he would bet that there would be like no one living in uh, Britain or that the UK would basically be like uh, 70 million starving people, basically, yeah. by the year 2000 or something like that. Good thing so, he's not a betting man. Yeah, good thing he did not actually make a bet on that. So there's a, there's a Newsweek article from 1975. It's called... The Cooling World. And it claimed that Earth's temperature had been plunging for decades due to human beings and their activities. And basically in that article, it made the claim that the drop in food output was going to be beginning in about 10 years. They're making these claims that we weren't going to be able to grow enough food because the Earth was going to keep cooling and all of our growing seasons were going to keep getting shorter and that we wouldn't be able to grow enough grain. To, to feed people. So we're going to be going into mass starvation. So they pulled up this evidence talking about these farmers in England that have seen their growing seasons decline by two weeks since the year 1950. So they had 20 years of data right there. Uh, with a resulting overall loss in grain production estimated at 100,000 tons annually. So it quotes these 
statistics from the National Academy of Sciences and the National Oceanic Atmospheric Administration Center for Climate and Environmental Assessment and the University of Wisconsin and Columbia University. It claimed all these, it cited all these stats about how global cooling was going to end the world. So they, the, the, the funnier part about this that I had actually never heard before was that the experts, the climate scientist experts, were suggesting solutions that we needed to immediately do at this point in time, in 1975. They were saying... in the 70s, the crisis was global cooling. Yeah, and they were saying, this is what's going to happen, and we are experts, and this is what we need to do to stop this from happening. Do you know what their suggestion was? Well, by the way, I would just want to say, though, global cooling sounds way worse. Yeah. I, I would much rather be hot. I don't know. I like being cold sometimes. What? Yeah, that's why I went to Alaska. I'd like... I would... <laughs> I, I don't know. I think I'd... I, I, if you had the opportunity, I don't know why I'm calling it opportunity. I guess if you had the option, if option. you had two options of a way to die, you could freeze to death or you could be burned alive. Oh, man. Which one would you choose? Freezing. Now that I put it that way, I think. Yeah, freezing. That's right. I mean, I just, you just kind of fall asleep. I hate being cold. <laughs> I just hate being cold. It would suck, but I'd, I don't know. I would rather see my skin freezing than melting. Like I just can't. I can't do that. I mean, right now, Canada is so cold that if the war, if the Earth did keep heating up, we'll just move north. Yeah, you know. So the experts. <laughs> <laughs> so the experts in 1975, by the way, thank God we didn't listen to what the experts were telling us to do in 1975. Because or the kids. Yeah, or the kids. They've been testifying. I don't know what the kids were. Do you want to know what they were saying we had to do in 1975? What was that? Melt the Arctic ice caps. <laughs> That's what they wanted us to do Just in 1975 because they were so worried about them freezing so much and that they thought we could melt them and it would basically create some kind of a climate change where we would go back towards a warming trend. So they wanted us to cover the Arctic ice caps in black soot so that they would start melting. That was, the, that was their suggestion. Wow. That in 1975. Um, Thank God we didn't we did not go with that. Now we even have stuff. Um, this is uh, let's see as late as in and the that early, was the consensus among the climate scientists. That was the suggestion in the Newsweek article that the experts were suggesting that we do. Now yes. Newsweek, that's not reputable, right? <laughs> it's uh, I don't know. I think that's a pretty pretty common pretty common magazine. I'm just saying it's got to be full of propaganda. I mean, it shouldn't be reputable, <laughs> I guess. Um, so even in the uh, early 1980s. People were warning the potential doomsday scenarios that were owed to man-made cooling, ranging from mass starvation caused by cooling-induced crop failures to another ice age that would kill most of mankind. In fact, even President Obama's science czar, John Holdren, and then along with Paul Ehrlich, who was the author of The Population Bomb, which predicted mass starvation worldwide. They also had uh, authored a 1971 textbook called Global Ecology, in which they warned that overpopulation and pollution would produce a new ice age, claiming that human activities are said to be responsible for the present world cooling trend. The pair uh, blamed jet exhaust and man-made changes in the reflect reflectivity of the Earth's surface through urbanization, deforestation, and enlargement of deserts as potential triggers for this new ice age. So... And then Holdren, who was Obama's climate czar, this was in 1971 at this time, um, pre predicted that a billion people would die 
in carbon dioxide-induced famines as part of a new ice age by the year 2020. Well, we don't have much time left. I know. I know. 2020 is right around the corner, man. <clears throat> so... Um, you got to start melting those ice caps. <laughs> similarly, uh, this is where the guy uh, was going to make the bet. Ehrlich, um, which uh, he was a professor at Stanford University, also claimed in 1971 that by the year 2000, the United Kingdom would simply be a small group of impoverished islands. This is by the year 2000. Inhabited by some 70 million hungry people. He then added that if he were a gambler, he would take even money that England will not exist in the year 2000 and will give 10 to 1 that the life of the average Briton would be distinctly lower quality than it is today in 1971 at that point in time. This guy definitely didn't see Brexit coming. No, he, he did not <laughs> predict that whatsoever. So uh, to stave off this impending famine, well, it was going to be a famine because we couldn't grow food anymore. Yeah, and so that's what was going to start. So, and then they also had a book, in the book Ecoscience, they pushed a planetary regime to control resources as well as forced abortions and sterilization to stop overpopulation, including drugging water and food supplies with sterilizing agents. That Jesus. was a, This guy was Obama's science czar. So... Here's the, here's the crazy part. These guys are talking in the 1970s about how we were going to hit a famine, we had a mass starvation, uh, that the UK was going to be 70 million starving people. We weren't producing enough grain, that the grain production was going to be going down. Well, I actually got some numbers on the grain production, just in case you were wondering. Um, since that time, in 1971, our grain production is actually up by, what's that, 275? Two, our grain production is actually up by 115 percent since since that time our grain production is so not down that's up that sounds yeah it sounds over up. double the amount of grain being being put out there and then also the world hunger we i mean we've talked about this before world mm -hmm. poverty world hunger so that's actually gone down from 1971 it was actually 33 percent of undernourished people in the developing countries. That's gone all the way down to 12% now in that time. A third. It's not exactly um, gotten worse as far as starving people goes. It's gotten better. That's so, what we were talking about. There's actually a good... 30% reduction. Yeah. There's good news out there uh, on some of this stuff. So that that's some of the good news that you, that you don't hear on the news. That's why we want to start that good news podcast. Yeah. That would be a, that'd be a pretty good one. You start I your think. morning with... With the good news. So then we have this guy who went and analyzed. So what happened was the IPCC, um, which I would have to look around and find what they're... The Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, the IPCC, which is also who the girls were quoting, by the way, was the IPCC. So they're still around. So they did this climate, this uh, temperature model based on 73 different computer models and predicted what the increase... Now they're talking increase in world temperatures by this time. So now they're talking increase in world temperatures. They did 73 different computer models predicting how much the Earth's temperature was going to raise. So eventually, after the time came and went of what those computer models were predicting, um, Dr. John Christie, who was a professor of atmospheric science and director of the Earth System Science Center at the University of Alabama, he analyzed all 73 computer models. He compared the models with observations in key areas, uh, the tropics, 
uh, where the climate model showed a real impact of greenhouse gases. So uh, he said he wanted to compare the real world temperatures with the models uh, in a place where the impact would be very clear. So uh, using data sets of temperatures from NASA and the NOAA, all kinds of satellites using data sets. So he actually showed that there was a lack of warming over 17 years, actually that the global warming had not occurred at all. He then said all 73 models, all 73 prediction models were on average three to four times worse than what actually occurred. That's, 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 what, he, that's what he found on that. So um, that's where those computer models that were developed from, they even called them supercomputers that were, that were developing these models. Um, they actually found that all 73 of the models were inaccurate later after the time came and went wow <clears throat> so later now we're talking about the end of snow because we got we're on the global warming now the ipcc they hyped snowless winters they released the report in 2001 claiming that milder winter temperatures would decrease heavy snowstorms um, let's see. So the latest data actually showed an all-time new record high in autumn snow uh, across the northern hemisphere. That was in 2014 when that came out. Uh, according to data from all of these different acronyms, according to the data, we've had some of the highest snowfall on record. In 2015, um, they had actually had the highest snowfall ever on record. The previous year was 2006. And remember, at this point in time, this was a report released in 2001 saying that we were going to start seeing snowless winters very soon. Remember, we're talking about the fact that these kids are hearing these dire predictions. That's why they're so nihilistic. That's why they're so unhappy. That's why they're talking to Congress. That's why they're there talking to them that these terrible things are about to happen and Congress isn't doing anything. What we have to do is we have to raise taxes on everyone. We have to direct all of our productivity and all of our innovation towards creating new forms of energy because we are under an impending climate catastrophe that's coming right now yes. so mm -hmm. anyway um let's see another area where it was incorrect was about the ice at the earth's poles this one's actually pretty crazy uh they had actually predicted this is the ipc they predicted the uh let's see complete melting of the arctic ice cap in summers um that have already came and went uh let's see they claimed ipcc claimed the ice sheets of antarctica are very likely shrinking um, and that the sea levels were going to rise because they were shrinking. Uh, then they doubled down, saying that we were, they actually ended up projecting even greater sea level rises because of shrinking in 2013. So, pretty crazy. In 2017, NASA released their study that said that they were very wrong. That actually, instead of melting ice, that they had actually been having record amounts of ice. In the NASA study, which was published in the Journal of Gla Glaciology. I haven't, yeah, I need to subscribe to that one. The Journal of yeah. Glaciology, that's the one, yeah. Uh, the data actually showed that the Antarctic ice sheet featured a net gain of 112 billion tons of ice per year from 1992 to 2001, more than a trillion tons of ice in less of a decade. And then between 2003 and 2008, it actually gained 82 billion tons of ice. Um, let's see. And then they actually said this was between 2012 and 2013. So just to dumb that down for everybody, that Antarctica got bigger. Got bigger. Between 2012 and 2013, the size of Antarctica, the ice, grew by 50% between 2012 and 2013. Just one year. Yeah, just one year. So, you know, I don't even know if we have to keep going through all of it, but uh, I, I believe um, 
the science is not settled. That's, a, that's what I would say, is that the science is not settled. We could also talk about Al Gore and everything that he had to say in 07 and 08 and 09 when he was flying around on his plane talking about this to everyone. Um, he had said that the North Pole would be ice-free in the summer by 2013, that the North Polar ice cap is falling off a cliff. He said that in 2007. He said it could be completely gone in as little as seven years. I think Santa Claus is still up there, man. He's still there. I talked to him. He, I'm, he still got my letters. They're not getting, yeah, yeah, not getting sent back. So he actually, uh, yeah, that's where he says that the Arctic volume actually expanded over that time that he was talking about. I mean, this stuff, all of this goes to tell you that when people stand up in front of Congress or they sit down in front of Congress and they say these words like the science is clear, the science is in, the science is settled all of these kinds of things, I I get it that it's potentially bad that we're doing this. It probably is bad that we use fossil fuels, and we should continue to move towards solar and wind and all kinds of other different kinds of energies, nuclear, any, anything like that that's not using fossil fuels. I think at some point in time, once the technology develops enough, it'll be cheaper to do all of those things. It, it would be a lot cheaper because once you develop the technologies and you're not having to pay people out there to drill for oil and do all that kind of stuff, eventually, I think that solar and wind and all that will become cheaper for sure. And, and obviously, everyone will move to it at that point in time. So that's basically all I would have to say to those, to those kids. Well, this, well, what this does, though, is this actually judges. Uh, it's, it's a results-based evidence of the data not some prediction that we don't know. And when you judge policy, you should judge policy that lawmakers make uh, based on the results of what that policy did, not what the intended uh, consequences would should have been. And so this is a common misconception that I think a lot of people on the left make. is like, oh, well, we have good intentions. We're trying to save the planet. We're trying to save our kids' future. Yeah. Well, the data indicates, as Nate just so clearly pointed out, that these client scientists have been wrong. All of their predictions have been wrong. Yeah. Wrong. Not just a little bit wrong, but really wrong. Completely wrong. And in fact, back it's like they predicted that the ice would melt a lot. Not only did it not melt a lot or even a little, but it actually grew. Yeah, it's not like they were off, like we said it would be gone and it only dissipated by 70% and there's still a little bit there. It's It literally went the other direction. Yes. That's way wrong. That's very wrong. And so there's no settled science. In fact, what does settled science mean anyway? That's, that's not what science is. Yeah. Science is the continuation. I mean, I bring this up all the time. You know, back in the medical community a couple hundred years ago, the science was settled that like, if you had some sort of disease, well, you bleed out, you know, they would cut you open and you would bleed the toxins out. Right. Well, that ended up just killing people. <laughs> so yeah. the science had to change, you know, the medical science had to change and be like, well, that's not, that's not great that, uh, to let people bleed. In fact, people need blood when they're sick. Actually, <laughs> It's important. Yeah. yeah. You actually need blood to survive. <laughs> and when you reduce your blood count, um, it makes your body worse and, <laughs> You can't really fend off disease that way. Listen to this other, just one more ridiculous claim from the UN IPCC. In, in 1990, this is what they predicted. 
This is what they. This was in 1990. The UN IPCC throwing out this prediction. By 1995, the greenhouse effect would be desolating the heartlands of North America and Eurasia with horrific drought, causing crop failures and food riots. By 1966, the Plate River of Nebraska would be dry, while a continent-wide black blizzard of prairie topsoil will stop traffic on interstates. He was trying to talk about the Dust Bowl, basically. Uh, Strip paint from houses and shut down computers. This is the UNIPCC still saying this in 1990. The situation would get so bad that Mexican police will round up illegal American migrants surging into Mexico seeking work as field hands. Who comes up with this? They said that by night by 1966, they were saying this in 1990, a 6-year prediction that Americans by 1996 because you're saying 66 Oh, sorry, ninety six. Okay, it was the it was I the they year were predicting the past. No, it was the year nineteen ninety <laughs> when they said this prediction that by the year nineteen ninety six, Mexican police would have to round up illegal American migrants that were fleeing. Look, I was alive in nineteen ninety six. I didn't see that happening. A six year prediction. Yeah, six, and they were. <laughs> Like you said earlier, there's not just like a little bit wrong on that. No. It's not like we had a little bit of a dust bowl and a little bit of a drought, and we had some American migrants. <laughs> you know, rounded up by Mexican like, police. It was completely wrong. Completely. Like, like insanity. Wrong. Like not even close at all. The exact opposite has happened. We've produced more crops during this time. It's, I just can't even. I can't. I, you're right. I can't even. I, I can't even. That's I'm gonna speak those kids' language. I just I can't even. That's depressing. That's pretty lit, fam. Yeah. I can't, <laughs> I can't <laughs> talk to kids anymore, by the way. Have you noticed have you talked to like young like You know this happened when we were kids. Yeah, I know. Look at adults and be like, <clears throat> You don't get it. Yeah. I'll even hear like I'll even hear like my sister saying things uh, like that I don't understand yeah. at all. I mean she's eighteen or yeah, nineteen, something like that. My girlfriend <laughs> says some things 18, sometimes 18. that I'm and I'm just like I'm not I'm not that old. Yeah, but I just like I've never used fan in my life. No, you know, no, no. And uh, and she does. Yeah. So I um, learned some Instagram tricks as I, well. I still remember what my old MSN Messenger names used to be. You know, like <laughs> I still it, actually use my Hotmail. <laughs> my my wife. Well, used, I use it for logins. I I don't have I have yeah. no idea how to even. Check my, my wife's mail main there. email is her Hotmail. Also, still, yeah, yeah it's pretty cool. Um, so, I mean, we've been going for like an hour and a half now, so we'll have to rein it in, even though I only told you about half of the things I wanted to say. Wow. Um, it's, but it's a good Jordan Peterson rule that you should always have, he says, three times more things that you wanna, than you want to talk about. Yeah. So, uh, came, came with a lot of data today, but just tell your kids, there's good stuff happening. Every generation's got to deal with terrible terrible circumstances at some point in time the ter- the the terrible circumstances that these kids have to deal with are still dreams to people 100 years ago they wish that they that that would have been their problem at some point in time and i'm not saying that there's not bad things going on in schools i know there's bullying i know there's all i i would not have wanted to deal with having social media when i was in high school yeah we didn't have rough. that i would not have wanted to have to worry about my, people. myspace started coming around yeah, a little bit of I didn't I didn't have one. I don't I mean but I'm way older than you, so 
I mean, <laughs> I was yeah. two classes ahead of you. Two classes. Yeah. 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 I said it in the uh, data that would make me sound the Older, best at that right, point in time. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, tell your kids like, yeah, um, you're going to be presented with a lot of ifs. The entire rest of your life is going to be ifs. Life is not easy. Life is an if. Every single day, every minute of every day is if you get to that minute. Every single day, every minute of every single day is if you make it to that minute. When you're going to go somewhere, if you make it to that place. As adults, we're still trying to figure things out. You yeah. Know? Are we doing the right job? Are we? Is this podcast the right thing to do? You know? It is. It's, yeah, in this moment, <laughs> right? In yeah. This, yeah. But every day you kind of question, like, is it all worth it? You know, what what is the meaning of my life? Adults are trying to figure this thing out. And you you never stop pursuing that. And that's the the reality is you should never stop pursuing that. No. Because there is no stasis. If you're not moving forward, if you're not advancing your education, and that's your self-education, doesn't mean you have to spend your whole life going to universities. If you're not advancing your education, trying to be a better version of yourself every single day, well, then you're going backwards. You're becoming a worse version. And so you have to literally daily pursue the grind. And some days you don't feel like it. There are days I don't, today, today, I don't feel like it. Yeah, you told me you were because over this. Because you got me some kind of Alaskan cruise death disease. I'm sorry, I made you sick. And I've got toilet paper up my nose, and there's all kinds of things going on in life. That's hard, <laughs> right? And mm. you have to make a decision daily. Like, what if something doesn't work out? Well, then you do something else. That's yeah. just the way life works. It's very hard. It's very difficult, and the world's out to get you. It's unfair. There's all kinds of bad things that happen to all kinds of good people. There's we're not even talking about like cancer and all kinds of other diseases that hold people back. That's very unfair. All the accidents that happen to people that you love or to yourself, even, you know, people that get paralyzed or whatever, lose their quality of life. Look, life sucks, frankly, (laughs) but it doesn't mean that there isn't something valuable to your life. And there's something that you can or can do about that. And so when it comes to fearing, uh, your if in your life, whether what you're going to do, what whatever you're going to do is going to matter or not, because if climate change is real, well, it, what's the point? Because it's all going to end in 12 years. Well, you could say that about anything, you know, yeah. what if you get leukemia tomorrow and you're gone in six months, you know, does that mean you stop pursuing what's meaningful? No. Well, and kudos to those kiddos for pursuing something that they do find meaningful, like I said way earlier in the podcast, like six hours ago, um, that these kids are going up and they're being very productive with their time. Um, they're not just going and playing video games or getting on drugs or, or you know, doing all kinds of crazy stuff, you know, you know, fornicating around and all that kind of stuff. Like they're, 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 uh, they're pursuing meaning. Yeah, their meaning that they're they're trying to find what their purpose is in life, and and like I said, kudos to them for deciding to do that instead of just decide that nothing is worth it and I'm not going to spend any time on yeah. anything. So, and unfortunately, yeah. in this situation, they're just wrong, and it's okay to be wrong, but we're here to point that out and uh, t- tell them yeah. tell them that they're wrong. Well, what's not, it's okay for them to be wrong. What's not right. okay is for uh, liberals to take a video of something a kid is saying and say, "See, look, even the kid said this." Right. No, that's not a good. That's not a good talking point. No. A kid said this. No. 
that's not a good talking point. It's time point. to educate the kid. Yeah, it's a, that's a failure of public education. So anyway, if you guys want your very own Taxation is Theft t-shirt, I recommend you go to gmlconnect.com, gmlconnect.com, and you want to get your very own Taxation is Theft t-shirt, a t-shirt that says, shall not be infringed on it, a t-shirt that says capitalism is greater than socialism, maybe a, maybe a coffee mug that says Bernie lies on it. Any kind of good stuff like that, you can find that on our Good Morning Liberty merch store. All you got to do is type in gmlconnect.com, or the link to it is in the show notes. And by the way, just for you guys, very special for our podcast listeners, you get 20% off if you just type in the promo code podcast when you go to when you go to purchase the shirt just type in podcast there's 20%. So you're welcome. Go find us on Instagram, follow us at Good Morning Liberty on Twitter at Good AM Liberty. Look us up on Facebook, Good Morning Liberty. Go to goodmorningliberty.us and read some great articles on politics and economics and then Charlie's going to take us out. Since it's already there, too, you might as well, for those of, that have gone to GML Connect, uh, you might as well sign up for the free gun giveaway. Oh, yeah. 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 We're going to try to find a way to announce this on Facebook where they don't shut us down. Yeah. Because that's possible. We might have to go live and just announce it. Yeah. Um, and then you tell all your friends. But we're going to be giving away a gun before Christmas. And so there's going to be a lot of people signing up for this. So you want to make sure you sign up. And get your name in the hat for a free gun. Who doesn't want a free gun? Yeah, free handgun. So go to gmlconnect.com, and there's a tab there that says handgun giveaway, I believe is what it says, right? Yeah. Rules and restrictions do apply, by the way. They do. Yes, yeah. there are rules your and restrictions. State, your state regulations will apply if you uh, win the gun and somehow your state will not let you be gifted a gun, then you won't be able to win the gun. We're we'll not going to... Gonna... We'll have to pick another winner. Yeah, we'll have to pick another person. Background so, checks apply, by the way. Whatever your rules are, because you, if you win the gun, you have to go to a gun dealer and pick up the gun. Yes. And the gun dealer is going to put you through whatever you would have to go through to buy a gun there. You have to go through that to pick up the gun from the gun dealer. Yes. So keep that in mind. There's no podcast show loopholes no. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to getting guns. I'd like the podcast loophole, please. <laughs> so... Uh, but do that. Tell a friend about it. Share the show with uh, somebody you love and maybe somebody you hate. And if you think that this show is any good at all, you can leave us a rating and review on iTunes or uh, I guess it's called Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app. Whatever you're listening on, leave a rating and review. Leave a review on Facebook, wherever you want to. All that does is help us out to keep spreading this message that we all love so dearly, which is liberty. So if you guys do all that, we'll be back again tomorrow to keep coming at you with all these facts, these wonderful, wonderful facts and discussions and conversations that make you live a better life. So do that, and I hope you guys have a good day and a good morning, Liberty.